Welcome back, everyone. This is Arthur Staple, your host for No Sleep Till Belmont, the Islanders podcast from The Athletic. We've got hockey players on the ice. Uh, we've got the great uh, mystery goaltender signed not only for this year, but for next year. And we have a lot of questions about Ilya Sorokin from you guys on Twitter. So uh, without further ado, we'll get right into uh, our Q&A segment of, uh, of the show here. Um, and a lot of questions, like I said, about Sorokin. I think there were some questions that came before uh, he was announced to have signed his extension beyond having signed uh, Monday night for the 2019-20 season, which is just a paper signing. There's no money that changes hands. It's only to burn the year of service time off his entry-level contract, which for him is a one-year contract. So uh, that was announced uh, Monday evening. And then Tuesday morning, the Islanders went ahead and announced an extension of one year, $2 million bucks with a $1 million signing bonus for 2021. So Ilya Sorokin will be here. Um, the big question is when will he be here, like physically be on Long Island, and that's uh, that's just another sort of mysterious question that a lot of you asked via Twitter. Uh, and really, what's the point of him coming if he can't play in this return to play when the Islanders get to the Hub City, start their qualifying round against the Florida Panthers in uh, 17 days' time? Uh, well, here's the short version. They want him over here. Obviously, he's signed for next year. They want him here because you want to keep him here. He lives in Moscow. He's played for... CSKA, the, basically the top team in the KHL for the last several years. He's been their number one goalie, probably the best goalie outside of the NHL right now. Um, and leaving him over there, even with a signed contract with no games between now and, say, December or January, obviously the, the plan that the NHL released is for, the games, is for next season to start December 1. That's obviously flexible. We'll have to see where the virus is at that point. Um, before deciding if they can start training camp on time in November, if they can start the games on time in December, uh, if they can play a full schedule, if everybody's available, if all the buildings are available, fans, all these other things are still up in the air. So leaving Ilya Sorokin unsigned for next season and over in Russia, probably not the best scenario. So the Islanders want to get him here. Uh, the clock started ticking, really, I guess, Monday when he signed his contract for two t- for 2019-20, that paper one that I mentioned. Uh, the league and the Players Association decided over the weekend that players in Sorokin's situation, which include Kirill Kaprizov of the Wild, Alex Romanov of the Canadians, uh, I believe Grigory Denisenko with the Panthers, a couple other college guys who I think have made different arrangements, but mostly for the Russian guys, um, that they could join their teams for phases three and four if they were signed for this year. Uh, and, and as I wrote uh, in a story that posted last night, it's still a bit iffy whether that phase four situation will happen for Sorokin. The Islanders can bring 31 of the 34 players on their roster that they have for this phase three camp that's currently going on. They can bring 31 players, including goalies, to Toronto. You want to bring as many eligible guys as you can, obviously, because uh, if there's a positive test, if there's people that need to quarantine, if there's just regular old hockey injuries, you need to have some reinforcements, uh, and especially in net. They have Semyon Varlamov, they have Thomas Grice, they have Christopher Gibson. All three of those guys have NHL experience, so those are really your top three goalies. Maybe you want a fourth. The fourth goalie that they brought to camp was Jakob Skarik, uh, a 21-year-old goalie who was their third-round pick a couple of years ago. He hasn't actually gotten back on the ice uh, yet this week in that unfit-to-play designation. That's kind of the catch-all, whether a guy's injured, has a positive virus test, and is waiting for negative tests, is quarantining, having arrived recently. Uh, we don't know, but he hasn't skated yet. And he's essentially the last gasp in net. So um, 
if you make it uh, make that 31st spot a fifth goalie who can't do anything but practice and watch, uh, that's that's a difficult situation. You know, there will still be some guys who they won't bring from Long Island to Toronto. Perhaps if Sorokin can make it over in time, he can skate with those guys until the team gets back. He can stay here and work with Mitch Korn and Piero Greco after the playoffs end until next season begins. Uh, there's a lot of options once he's here. It's going to be difficult, I assume, for a guy who turns 25 in a couple of weeks who's never been here. Uh, rather, not never been here. He was here for one development camp several years ago. But he's still pretty much going to be on his own. Um, so that part's probably a little tough for him. But uh but I think he's he's willing to take this jump. Uh, you know, a friend of his had told me that he turned down kind of a what you'd call a max one-year deal in CSK, which I believe the KHL cap right now for individual players is 1.4 million U.S. Um, there's ways around that with the oligarchs that run some of those teams. So I imagine it would have been closer to three or three and a half million for one year U.S. over there if he'd stayed. But he wants to be here, and now he's got a contract for next year. He'll get a signing bonus of a million bucks on November 1st. There's a lot to look forward to, um, you know, and what this means, I think uh, I got a couple other these questions. What does this mean for the Islanders salary cap situation? Well, now that's an extra two million. They're committed for 2021. Uh, I believe it's up to 72 million and change already committed for next year on a flat cap of 81.5 million. And we still have Matthew Barzal unsigned. We still have Devon Taves unsigned. We still have Ryan Pollock unsigned. And as I've written, as I've said here, um, there's contracts that they want to get rid of, and those guys are those three guys are not three guys that they want to get rid of. They're all young. Taves and, and Pollock are two of their top four defensemen already. Um, Barzal is obviously their biggest star player uh, among their skaters. Uh, so these are not decisions that they enter into lightly. You know, I think Lou Lamarillo said it best on the conference call over the weekend. He said, uh, "Everybody knows what the numbers are. There's work to do, but I, they know what direction they want to go in." And, whether that means uh, there's trades to be made, um, you know, it, it would have, I would think a guy like Nick Letty, who we've mentioned again an awful lot, just speculating. There's no concrete evidence to it, but it just sort of logic and common sense when you look at the roster and the and the numbers associated with them in terms of salary cap hits. Nick Letty might be one who's expendable and might be desired by somebody else. Josh Bailey could even be on that list. Um, and there's some other contracts, Andrew Ladd, Leo Komarov, Johnny Boychuk, that the owners would love to get rid of, um, but there'd have to be some assets going with those, whether they were young players or one of their precious few draft picks that they've got left. So uh, the Sorokin deal uh, is good for both sides, I think. It helps the Islanders to know what the number is. Two million is a reasonable number for a guy who could potentially be your number one goalie in a short period of time. And for Sorokin, he gets to see what the Islanders are made of uh, for one year. He's He would have two more uh, years of restricted free agency after that. So you would think that if he shows even half or 75% of what he showed in the KHL uh, over the last five years, that he'd have an extension pretty well in hand before that 2021 season is up. Um, but everyone gets to size each other up for a little bit once that season does get started. And, and we'll see where everything you know lays out by then. By then... Uh, Lou Lamarillo have done a, a ton of work uh, to reshape this roster and make it fit under the cap. Uh, and obviously having a guy who's making $2 million, uh, in net and potentially being your number one goalie is a good place to be. So uh, it, it's a good start for Sorokin. It's a good start for the Islanders. It ends a saga that began when the Islanders drafted him in the, in the third round in 2014. Many years ago, Garth Snow tried many times to get him over. Lou Lamarillo tried to get him over before this year. And now he is actually coming. We'll just have to see when. We'll be back in a second. We've all been stuck inside for a while, but as everybody's starting to get back out, 
you want to smell good when you're getting back out and seeing people in the world. Smelling good is important. Hawthorne smells really good, and getting Hawthorne cologne is so easy. Here's how it works. Take a quick two-minute quiz, and Hawthorne tells you the two colognes that are best for you, one for work and one for play. It's totally risk-free with free shipping and free returns. So check out Hawthorne at hawthorne.co. That's Hawthorne with an E and .co, not .com. Hawthorne.co, and use my promo code ATHLETIC to get 10% off your first purchase. That's Hawthorne.co, and use my promo code ATHLETIC to get 10% off your first purchase. Hawthorne.co. Looking at some more questions from uh, from the fans uh, on Twitter, I did get a question about Oliver Wallstrom, who um, had his nine-game stint uh, early this season during the Islanders' uh, 15-0-2 run that feels like it happened about a month, uh, a month ago, rather a decade ago, not uh, a few months ago. Um, but he was here for a bit. Had a bit of an up-and-down season, didn't have a great World Juniors, had an okay time uh, in Bridgeport with 22 points in 45 games uh, on a Bridgeport team that didn't score very many goals or win very many games. And now he's back, uh, part of the group for this Phase 3. Um, and uh, and a good question from uh, from Mike Minucci, one of my followers on Twitter. Would, there, would he really be a consideration for the roster in Toronto and even be able to play a game because if he plays one more game – that activates the first year of his entry-level contract. Uh, my, my general feeling is, no, they don't want to use him for just that reason. They didn't want to do it before. That's why he was limited to nine games back before the pandemic, and they sent him back down because they didn't want that 10th game to make him a, a, a first activate that first year of the entry-level deal and shorten the time until he becomes a restricted free agent. And now it's even more of a concern, obviously, as we just discussed, the flat cap. The owners have very little space underneath it. You don't want to accelerate any of your young guys faster than you really need to. Um, you know, if he does some amazing things in this camp and they feel like he can help them win this qualifying round and, and move on a little bit, and maybe it's a different consideration. But I would have to think right now he's probably behind a guy like Kiefer Bellows if they're looking for someone to play in these games or maybe even Otto Koivula, who's gotten a few more games in. Um, I would think Wallstrom is at the back of the pack, not because of his skill level, but more because of how important he is to them down the road when they're going to need him and need him at a, at a cheap cost because they have so many other costs that they need to uh, expend. Um, an interesting question I got... Uh, about how the NHL is going to handle their press availability in the in the bubble in the hub cities. Do they do Zoom pool setup? This is from John McNamara. Um, more of an inside media question. You know, none of us are going to be up there. It'll maybe be some local people from the Athletic that are based in Toronto and Edmonton, but I don't think there's going to be anything extra special for the people that are there. Frankly, this week, uh, with the beginning of training camp on Long Island at Northwell Health Ice Center, where the Islanders practice. There are reporters attending those, but all the media is done via Zoom. Um, once you know, you, you can watch practice and then head home and get settled in and do all the media stuff. That's what will be happening later today when we get a chance to talk to Lou Lamarillo and Barry Trotz uh, and maybe a couple of players. That's what happened yesterday um, when they the first day of the uh, of the new phase three. Um, so it's you know the. Being there in person can feel important at times. It's kind of part of our routine as, as reporters. I was not there yesterday or today. Uh, I don't plan on going for personal family, you know, family health reasons. And, uh, you know, I think that's a choice that everybody has to make. I don't feel very limited in, in missing out, um, mostly because 
it's a long commute. Uh, it's three hours of being in an environment that's not, uh, to my mind, the most safe because you're around people you haven't been around before, even though everybody's masked and everybody's socially distancing. And it's really watching, you know, uh, essentially watching a training camp skate without much of the access that you get afterwards. So um, from that standpoint, the media part of it is a little bit canned, but that's the world that we live in now and you have to make the most of it. Um, and uh, it's uh, it's going to be an interesting situation in the hub city, I think. Uh, like you said, uh, the Zoom calls are going to be for each individual, you know, team's reporters uh, who will all be back stuck at home watching on TV for the most part. Um, and as the, you know, as the rounds get further and further along, you get more national media, but it'll just be more faces you see on the Zoom page, on that gallery page on Zoom, rather than a bigger group around a podium. Um, so that's the world, uh, the media world we live in for now. I'm sure that's going to be something similar in the, in the foreseeable future. Um, and, uh, you know, hopefully the fans are happy with it and, uh, and we can kind of work the way that we work, uh, in a little bit of a different environment. Um, my old friend Doc Ed asks about the, uh, the designation unfit to play, um, you know, whether it's a positive COVID test or a player quarantining or an injury, uh, that designation covers all of it. You know, I, I, like I said, I wasn't there today. Scott Mayfield and Matt Martin didn't skate today, and we're not going to know why. It's not worth asking Barry Trotz about uh, because he's going to give the same answer that I think every coach and GM around the league has already given, that uh, the league and the Players Association agreed in this unprecedented time that this designation is is kind of going to be the catch-all phrase for now. It could be the catch-all phrase for many years from now, uh, whether it is a, a positive COVID test, whether it's an injury. Um, I did find out that Leo Komarov is missing in action because he took a puck in the eye during the fa- one of the Phase 2 skates and needed several stitches. Um, so that you know that's just a regular injury, but nobody's going to confirm it uh, or deny it in the team setting. Uh, and the rest, Nick Letty's still been missing the last couple of days. Skarek, as we mentioned, has been missing. Sebastian Ajo, uh, their minor league defenseman, has been missing. Kiefer Bellows missed day one. He was back uh, for day two on Tuesday today. Uh, and like I said, Mayfield and Martin were out. You know, there, there's personal things we know. Matt Martin's wife is uh, is due to give birth sometime in the next week or so. That could have happened today. But it's not really worth speculating about um, unless we know for sure. So... Uh, there will be some mystery to it. We'll have to wonder uh, whether guys are simply sitting out because they have had a positive test on their intake and they're waiting until they get cleared of the virus to get negative tests or whether they're quarantining a specific time until they're allowed to get on the ice with several negative tests or they're just injured. You know, they had a hard skate yesterday. As Anders Lee pointed out, it wasn't a typical first day Barry Trot skate to get their attention, but there's still going to be some nagging groin injuries. There's going to be some uh, you know, some muscle pulls because guys just haven't been going this hard for months and months. So, um, it's, uh, it's, it's another, uh, these are kind of two media centric questions that are, you know, certainly of interest to fans, but mostly obstacles for those of us who report on the team to, to work around and try to understand, you know, the athletic also has a, has a policy on our site that we don't name individuals who have tested positive for the COVID-19 virus uh, unless those players have allowed their names to be released. So even if we know about positive tests, the team isn't saying we're not permitted to say, so speculating again, not worth it. And, and there's always a debate about um, you know, the, right to, the right to privacy versus the right to know, especially in this pandemic environment. But uh, the league has made their decision. 
the player association went along with it. The athletic has made their decision. So here we are. Um, another good question from, uh, uh, frequent uh, questioner and poster Matty Boy, who goes by Exiled Usher on Twitter. Will the players in the bubble be allowed to attend games on their off days? I'd love to see Brad Marchand banging on the glass of the penalty box during another game. I would too. I think that would be interesting. I think you're going to get uh, some situations. I wonder if it'll even be allowed because you need to have the social distancing going on in the building, whether you'll have teams that are waiting to play the next game pop their heads out and watch kind of how you see during March Madness in the NCAA tournament teams that are waiting to play at the neutral sites uh, sitting in the crowd kind of sizing up their potential future opponent this case to be players just watching other players with nobody else in the building and be a little bit different but uh, I would uh, I think that would add something if you could get a player from another team to pop out every so often and maybe give some commentary put the headset on and and talk a little bit I don't know if hockey players feel quite so free to do that but um, it would definitely add something and maybe a little bit of uh, a little bit of cheering in the building as well Uh, we have a couple more questions coming up one about how Belmont can attract some free agents and we'll get to that in a second can you feel it the excitement and anticipation has been growing for weeks and the time is almost here that's right baseball is coming back next week The teams will be taking the field in less than 10 days, and there's no better place to get in on the action than with DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook app. To put you in the center of the action, DraftKings Sportsbook is celebrating the new season with a special promotion. Before the season starts, place a bet of at least $25 on who will be crowned the champion, and they'll give you a $25 free bet to use on opening day. While we're all excited for baseball, don't forget there's European soccer happening all week and a huge golf tournament that is sure to be thrilling. DraftKings Sportsbook is U.S.-based, making it safe, secure, and reliable. Plus, it's easy to deposit and withdraw your funds whenever you want. Download the top-rated DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code QUICK when you sign up. For a limited time, all new users can get a sign-up bonus up to $1,000. That's code QUICK to get your sign-up bonus up to $1,000. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Must be 21 or older, New Jersey only. Bonus comprised of a first deposit bonus and a first bet match, each up to $500. Deposit bonus requires 25 times playthrough. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. We're back with our last segment of uh, our Q&A show here of No Sleep Till Belmont. Um, our friend Armin, Real Armin K, asks a question that I do get a lot. If I think that the Islanders moving to Belmont with the state-of-the-art arena will attract more free agents. They always seem to come up just short. Um, That is, uh, I I don't know how old you are, Armin, but that is a long-standing problem for the Islanders coming up just short in free agency. We did uh, one of our lists that we love to do at The Athletic not long ago uh, of the 10 best and worst free agent signings in Islanders history. And I, when I got to the worst, I got a lot of jokes from friends or colleagues or whoever saying, oh, that's probably a long list. And it's really not. You know, they've had plenty of bad contracts, believe me, but those are guys that they either traded for, Alexei Yashin, um, or drafted in Rick DiPietro. Those contracts, obviously, the ones that stand out. But signing free agents isn't really, they, they don't strike out a lot uh, on the contract part of it because they strike out before they even get to sign the guy. Um you know, I think we think back uh, just in the last few years to, you know, I can think Justin Williams, they made an offer to when he decided to go back to Carolina. And obviously he played a pretty decent role in the Hurricanes eliminating the Islanders uh, last year. Um, and that was, a you know, not a guy that was going to necessarily be a guy who moved the needle. Um, 
Artemi Panarin, obviously, last summer was uh, was a big runner-up uh, in that sweepstakes, uh, offering more money than the Rangers offered. Um, and, uh, y- you know, you go back in, in, in more recent history, Islanders wanted to get in on Steven Stamkos. They didn't even get to the door before he re-signed with Tampa. They ended up with Andrew Ladd. Uh, the list goes on. So um, it, it is interesting to, to consider whether a new arena will help them get players. I think it does help. I think a bigger help to them right now is their facility uh, at Northwell in Eisenhower Park. Um, I think that's because mostly that's because that's the place a lot of players spend the bulk of their time. The arena is certainly nice, but it's not necessarily home other than home for the fans and your home rink. Um, where you spend most of your time is the is the practice rink and the practice facility, and that one is is comparable to the best ones in the league for the Islanders, and they've made it so, redone it even a couple of times in the few years that they've had it, um, and I think that's a big selling point for a lot of guys. You know, in Long Island, uh, you know, since in the decade that I've been covering the team, you've had guys, veteran guys like Luba Vishnovsky, you've had Evgeny Nabokov, players that did, only knew of Long Island by. The, you know, the Marriott across from the Coliseum and playing in a half-empty building. Not the most appealing. They don't know about the other things that are very appealing about Long Island, living there. Kids, if they're school age, uh, how good the schools are in some places, you know, places like Garden City where a lot of the players live, the walkable towns like that. You don't know about that stuff until you come here. So there's always been a, that resistance to coming to Long Island, but I think once players are here, they do really like it. And the building will help. I think the thing that'll help the most is being a consistent winner. Um, but you'll never be able to take away from the the, the guys that really want to play on the big stage of New York City and play for the Rangers. Um, there's it, It's hard to describe simply because it doesn't make much sense. The Islanders have had much more success in the last four decades than the Rangers have. But... Um, but players don't always follow that logical path, you know. They they know about the Rangers. The Rangers have a big following around the country. The Islanders have that a much smaller but much more dedicated fan base. Long Island is a little bit more uh, off the beaten path than, than New York City is. So um, there will always be things that work against the Islanders, at least in this market. Um, I think winning and having a guy like Barry Trotz coaching the team, consistent winning, uh, winning playoff rounds, those are things that really make the biggest difference. I had plenty of conversations with Garth Snow over the years uh, when he was the GM. And really that's, you know, what it comes down to, not excusing any of his misses in free agency, but, you know, it's the thing that he heard a lot from players like Jerome McGinley, who they made a big offer to, even Thomas Vanek, their own potential free, you know, their own guy who traded for back in 2014. And probably luckily for the Islanders, uh, Vanek turned down a seven-year $50 million deal. But I think a lot of it had to do with the perception of the Islanders and whether guys feel that they can win with a team that has always sort of come up short in their experiences in the NHL. So, uh, you know, a a consistent winner combined with a nice building will probably make the biggest difference. Um, Now, finally, a question about uh, what's to come in these next couple of weeks, or at least once we get to the Hub City and its Islanders-Panthers starting on August 1st. What will be the biggest factor uh, for the Islanders' playoff success? Whether it's uh, Sab is our questioner here. Goaltending, Pellick, Adam Pellick coming back on defense, the reunited fourth line. Uh, if there's one you could say, what would it be? It, it's, uh, it's an easy cliche choice to say goaltending. You know, I think with the schedule that's come out for that qualifying round, 
with back-to-back games two and three. Uh, I am curious to see if both goalies will get used in Varlamov and Grice. Um, I would imagine the strat, you know, every qualifying round has at least one back-to-back. And I would imagine a lot of teams are considering right now whether to use both goalies. Uh, you know, for the Panthers, it's a big drop-off from Sergei Bobrovsky to Sam Montembeau. Um, but the Islanders haven't had that big a drop-off. I, th- I would say Varlamov was playing a little bit better and also playing a little bit more consistently uh, just getting to, in terms of getting starts down the stretch there in February and into March before the lockdown came. But, uh, but Grice has obviously had some playoff success. He had it against the Panthers four years ago. Um, so it's, uh, it's going to be a tough call. I, my guess is right now Varlamov gets the call for game one and probably game two. Uh, Grice gets the call for Game Three, and if the Islanders, uh, you know, are thinking positively, they don't want to even consider the option that there'll be a Game Four. They can move on and start to consider for the next round what their goaltending rotation would be. But outside of goaltending, I would say um, I would say their defense and Adam Pellick obviously is a big part of that. Uh, you know, they they were slipping even a little bit with Pellick in the lineup, uh, kind of through December after their 17 game point streak ended. And then when he got hurt, it really started to scramble a little bit. But uh, but I think Pellick, Pollock, Taves, Mayfield, Letty Boychuk, or <clears throat> Letty Dobson, whoever you've got on the third pair, even Andy Green being in the mix now, um, Pellick, Pollock is probably the most important uh, combo that they have just because of the firepower the Panthers have. They've got Barkov. They've got Huberto. Um They've got Dadenoff, they've got Hoffman, they've got some forwards who can really score, and you're going to need to be as strong in your own end as you can be. I think uh, you look back, the Islanders played all three of their games against the Panthers before, I think, the second week of December. They were all low-scoring games. They were one-goal wins for the Islanders. That's exactly how they want to play. They want to keep Florida in check. They want to be able to counterattack. They want to be able to to forecheck the the Panthers' defense, which may be a little bit suspect, uh, into making turnovers. They want Bobrovsky to be shaky. Um, you know, in short, they want a series a lot like the first round last year against the Penguins. They want a team that that wants to open it up and be, you know, swarm you with with highly skilled players. But feel uh, if the Islanders can frustrate them with their play, and Adam Pellick is among the most frustrating guys in the league as far as defensemen go. Um, that's really where the where this series may be won or lost. So in that, in their own end, playing without the puck, all those other cliches. That's what I'm going to go with. And lastly, uh, Mike T has a good question, uh, bringing up a, a subject that I'd mentioned about how the, in a story I wrote last week about how the Islanders are going to be able to manage this, the, their cap situation in the flat cap era the next couple of years. Uh, Mike asked <clears throat> whether Andrew Ladd could really go to long-term IR for next season and asked why were there no compliance buyouts in the new CBA. I certainly anticipated that there would be a provision that one, each team could have one buyout. The, the explanation I got from not necessarily people at that were at the negotiating table, but uh, people around the league that I talked to was that uh, I think the Players Association felt like they didn't want guys to be out of jobs that were bought out, even though they would have had their money. Uh, and the league, it, the league is always about competitive balance. And when we get into these labor negotiations as on the league side, I think it's become clear over the years that no matter what uh, their owners and their general managers do, with the CBA, uh, there's a bit of uh, there's a little bit of a you made your bed you got to lay in it now uh, feeling from the league when they get into negotiations that it, it speaks a little bit to the the parity that they love to have that there are teams that that maybe laid out more money or more term than they would have liked 
and now are a bit stuck. Uh, a lot of teams that have signing bonus-laden contracts that are basically buyout-proof, like Andrew Ladd's is. I think it's buyer beware as far as the league is concerned, which is a an interesting stance to take, um, but it's very consistent with what the league has put out there for the last couple decades. So I think that's the reason there were no compliance buyouts. Um, and as far as lad to LTIR, I, I made the joke about uh, Robodah Island, which for Islander fans is probably a new phrase. But uh, if you're a Leaf fan, for whatever reason, listening to this, uh, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Lou Lamarillo inherited a couple of bad contracts when he took over the Leafs GM job. One of them was defenseman Stefan Robodah, who had a perfectly respectable NHL career, but uh, had a bit of a knee problem uh, going into his second year and then just disappeared. And thus the name Robodah Island was born, that he was basically on permanent vacation for the last two years of his deal. It's not completely true. He did come back his last year and work uh, basically as a, essentially as assistant coach with their minor league team. Um, but he wasn't seen around the, uh, around the Leafs at all. Um, and, you know, the Islanders did a little bit of that with Ladd. He tore his ACL last spring and was, uh, you know, basically fit to return uh, eventually. But I think Lou was very clear at the start of uh, 1920 that Ladd was going to be out until they decided he could be back in. And when he got back in, he was a minor league player. He's out, He ended up being up because of injuries. But, uh, <clears throat> you know, to, that that cap situation with Ladd's contract, $5.5 million per for the next three years, there's something they need to do with it. They can't really buy him out. It doesn't help their cap situation. Trading him seems like an impossibility at age 35. Um, so they're stuck. And I think uh, using that flexibility of, of a guy with bad knees, maybe failing a physical, I'm not suggesting there's going to be any shenanigans, but uh, but Lou will definitely be pouring over that medical report uh, come November when the teams get back, uh, hopefully get back for training camp to see what their flexibility is because they don't really have a lot. So uh, Lad Island may be coming to Long Island. We'll have to see. Well, that's all we got for this week, folks. I appreciate all the questions via Twitter. There's a lot going on with the team between the Sorokin signing and the Phase 3 beginning. Uh, we've got uh, another show next week. I'm sure there'll be some more news before we get to that, uh, that show. But uh, thanks for listening and tune in again. We'll see you soon.